Hello and welcome to Apartment 29A. I'm Shosh. And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends who have a lot to say. This week, we are going to drink English breakfast tea by the English Tea Shop. While we discuss the podcast Off Leash, the Steminist Novellas trilogy by Allie Hazelwood, and My Cousin's Wedding, and then Shosh is really interested in women and men getting equal pay in U.S. soccer which is awesome. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> nice intro. <laughs> <laughs> so Shosh, what do you think of the English breakfast tea by the English tea shop? I like it. I think it's basically just a general English breakfast tea. I don't think there's anything special about it. Honestly, I think I've probably had English breakfast teas that I liked better over time I couldn't tell you exactly why but it's definitely not bad I did however as we were discussing this ahead of time look up what makes an English breakfast tea because we didn't know so we did a little bit of learning and it's just a blend of black teas although surprisingly this one says it's only one type yeah so now we're really confused so now we're very confused but so maybe supposedly- through the English tea shop you can say that you're black tea is English breakfast I don't know (laughs) I have no idea so it says but like a million different sites say it's mixtures of black tea and this one in particular says it's a mixture of various kinds particularly awesome Cylon Kenyan and Keeman I do not know the difference between all of those but it says the Assam is malty and bitter the Cylon is piney and sour which is what this one says it's a hundred percent the Kenyan is fruity and floral, and the Keeman is citric and smoky. And so I wonder, since this is 100% Cylon, if because it says piney and sour, that perhaps it's the sourness that I don't maybe like as much as some of the other ones. Mm. Supposedly, according to Google, they layer all the different teas, and it gives you like a full, a full flavored tea. Hmm. There you go. But I don't know. That is what Google either. told me. So I think it's good. I just don't think it's special. It's an English breakfast tea. (laughs) What do you think? Well, I wanted just a traditional black tea today. I don't really know why. I just, that was what I was in the mood for. So that's why we went for this one. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I always add lemon. So if this one is particularly sour, I don't really know that. I added honey and lemon so the combination tends to like I don't know the when you add honey it like tamp it dampens down the sour part so then I add the sour back in <laughs> so I don't, and I <laughs> okay weirdo said, I know <laughs> and I wouldn't have said it was piney though no but I'm not sure that I would know how to pick out piney and sour I don't know that seems like a weird combination true but it does it has a little smokiness to it well it's funny that you said that because when I smelled the tea bag before I made it I thought it smelled smoky and it reminded me very mildly of smoky earl gray which is much stronger but has that distinct smoky smell and you don't Mm -hmm. really normally I don't usually notice that for teas so I was a little bit surprised Mm mm-hmm and I doesn't really taste smoky, but I do wonder if that's somehow like obviously contributed to the mm-hmm. the taste. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I do get a little smoky part in mine. So I don't, although I've added sugar, obviously, <laughs> but I wonder, I would, cause I wouldn't have said sour. I would have said it's a little bit more bitter than I would have mm-hmm. expected, but I kind of just wonder if, you know, it is maybe like a bit of that maybe bitter smokiness or something Yeah. because while this is now somehow becoming a regular occurrence, I added a little bit of extra sugar than I normally would even like for this type of tea because I thought it was a bit bitter. So (laughs) maybe I just need to up my sugar consumption in my tea because it seems like every week I'm like, well, I added more sugar and it made it better. But again, I think it's because it it. had that like Mm bitter-ish more than normal. Yeah. Yep. But definitely something I would drink again. Oh, for sure. Mm Because it is just an English breakfast tea. Yep. And those are good. Yes, exactly. But I'm always fascinated because they have like English breakfast and then some companies would call it like British breakfast. And I'm always like, isn't it's probably the same? Isn't that the same? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can see you could, I don't know if there's a case to say like you are English, but not British, but I don't think you could be British and not English, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can technically I would say most English people would say they were English over British. Right. But I mean, you definitely, if you are English, you are British. And if you are British, (laughs) then you, you could be English or not, but. Yeah. I'm very confused. Yeah. I'm like, aren't they kind of synonyms? (laughs) Are they not? (laughs) Am I I showing some ignorance here? I don't know. No. So, I mean, I think people would probably use them synonymously, Mm -hmm. but technically, you know, you aren't necessarily English if you're British because you could be from Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland. So, so if you are English, you are British. If you're British, you aren't necessarily English. Right. Yeah. But like I said, I think most people, especially because England is the biggest portion of, you know, the United Kingdom, I think most people use them kind of interchangeably. Yeah. Certainly us dumb Americans. (laughs) All right. So we listened to a new podcast this week. It's recent. It only came out a couple weeks ago, if that. It's called Off Leash. It is a new podcast from the Freakonomics Radio Network. Uh, So this is also includes the Freakonomics podcast, the podcast that Shosh and I talk about a lot because we love it, which is No Stupid Questions. They now have like Freakonomics MD. I think there's another new one coming out. People I Mostly Admire or something there like that. There you go, yeah. I haven't really listened to that one, but. Me neither. But this one, as you can probably guess, is about dogs. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> So as soon as Shosh and I knew there was a podcast coming out about dogs, I was like, um, and Shosh was like, um, (laughs) so we had to listen. So what did you think of the first episode? I liked it. I wouldn't say I'm hundred percent hooked yet, but I definitely want to listen more. Mm -hmm. It, It reminded me of the one time we listened to the I might get this wrong, but I think it was Adam Buxley podcast where he took that walk through 
the field yep. or whatever. Yep. And it reminded me a lot of that because these people were sort of going on these the walk with their dogs. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like made me think of a different podcast. And it did <laughs> definitely have some really interesting tidbits. But like I said, I wasn't quite hooked yet. But I don't mm-hmm. know if that's just because it was like the first episode. I didn't dislike the host, but I'm not like super hooked on her yet either. Mm-hmm. So I think I just need to listen more. But I definitely want to give it more of a chance. So I haven't like by any means ruled this out as a regular podcast. I just... I don't know, I guess could maybe had the feeling that it was a first ever episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a part of it where they brought on Angela Duckworth and, and Stephen Dubner. Dubner. That was, my, that favorite was part. my favorite part. <laughs> but I don't know if that's just like a familiarity bias. Like we, we know those voices. We trust those voices. We um, like those voices. Right. And of course their part was like kind of cute and fun. Right. So was it that we enjoyed that segment and the part that they were doing which was smell tests and stuff which was mm-hmm. cool or was it just because we know them or right. is it because they're actually better yeah <laughs> maybe all of the above I don't yeah. even know and I also don't know if like my expectations for this episode were just too high because it was focused on smell and taste and anyone who's listened to this podcast knows how kind of obsessed Shosh and I have become particularly with taste but also with smell and like naming smells and like having a language for that so when I saw that I was like even more excited and then it was it was okay cool but it wasn't life-changing right I think I think honestly that might have been part of my issue too I had really high expectations especially because it was a Freakonomics podcast I expect like a high production value. I expect, I don't know, I expect a lot from them. And in a way, maybe I shouldn't because the reason I haven't really listened to the people I mostly admire is because I don't really like the host and stuff of that one that well, because I've listened to some, you know, they've had some episodes on the Freakonomics feed and stuff, especially when it first came out or they've had, I can't remember his name. It's the guy who wrote Freakonomics, I think with him, Mm -hmm. with Stephen Dubner. But they've had him on for different things before. And I just find him very kind of like dry and boring. (laughs) That sounds so mean. But he just, he doesn't appeal to me the same way that some of the other ones do. And so I guess I should have known. Oh, there we go. Yeah, love it. Um, So I, I think maybe I should have realized they wouldn't necessarily all be as good as say no stupid questions but I just sort of expect really high quality and it's not that it was bad by any means it just again I don't know I guess I could just be felt that it was a first episode mm-hmm. yeah I agree and I'm also having a little bit of trouble because I think like I listened to an episode of shortwave maybe that was about bitter and I'm getting these, like, they've smurred, because I listen to them, like, right next to each other, they've starting to merge into one super podcast, and I'm like, oh, wait, no. no, that wasn't, like, wait, which one, <laughs> was this the episode about Bitter, and how there's, like, like, there's, like, sir, it was really interesting, I, I will, I'll, I'll save it for later, but, like, now, anyway, those two things are, like, starting to get in my head, and I'm like, wait, was that from which this one podcast, was it? or was it the Bitter podcast? <sighs> 
but so it was really interesting because they talked to I think she was a New York Times food critic mm-hmm, was it New mm-hmm. York Times yeah and so they were talking to her about smell and taste and also because she lost hers with COVID which we previously have talked about a whole smell episode from the New York Times a while ago that's now been yeah, forever ago but it was one of our favorites so it, it, that was all super interesting some of it was kind of repeat information because we had already listened to that other one from them so, that had so much stuff about smell and things but it was still really interesting and I liked some of the things she was saying and I found it really interesting some of the things she was saying she was missing like they asked her which smell she missed the most and she was like it's actually really disgusting but I miss the fishy smell of my dog's breath <laughs> yes. and she was like it's not even a good smell but she was like I feel like I've lost a certain like connection and like link to my dog and she was like that I just really missed it even though it's not like pleasant smell and she was saying how when she was trying to get her scent back especially because some of the gross smells started coming back first she was trying to do things like smell garbage and stuff because (laughs) she was just so thankful to be able to smell anything so I found that to be super interesting yeah so interesting and I'm just I'm glad that she got her sense of smell back in an accurate way just because there's been all that discussion of people who when they did get their sense of smell back it all they could smell was awful things or like things that like strawberry smelled like motor oil or whatever and you're just like ooh. yeah there's all those people that like gross things smelled good Mm -hmm. and good things smelled gross or that poor person who thought her boyfriend smelled gross right so yeah, it's good that it, not only that it came back, but that it seemed to be intact. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty, it was kind of a nice story. She was talking a lot about how she was purposely trying to smell and taste things. And it was like bringing up old memories and things. And they were talking a lot about how smell can be linked to such strong memories. And usually people have really good memories. Rarely does a smell evoke a bad memory, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah so that was kind of cool yeah I hadn't thought about that but like at least on a anecdotal for my life that's true like when people talk about smells it's usually like grandma's cookies or like even if it's a burnt smell like it brings up a memory that like you can laugh about now definitely well that's what they were Mm -hmm. saying because Stephen Dubner for example was talking about how he grew up on a farm and -hmm. so there were like lots of poop smells and things but even though that's like a gross smell it still brings up like good memories of being on a farm, not, you know, disgusting poop smells right. or memories. So yeah. it's, it's weird how that works though. Cause I had never really thought about it. Right. It is true. Somehow it tends to like evoke those positive memories, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Yeah. Very cool. But speaking of poop, I was fascinated by this idea that there's, there's a dog who could smell whale scat from like a mile and a half away and I had no clue of course that like and Shosh may have already known this but that whale scat like essentially rises to the top of the ocean before it falls so there is this like period of time where you could like you know pick it up to test it and figure out what the whales are eating and all of that kind of gross things but that there's a dog that's like trained to be able to like point boats in that direction amazing (laughs) I found that to be really cool because I didn't 
think that I didn't know that that was something that was happening. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that I didn't think people were collecting samples, but I thought it would be more like super opportunistic or when you have things in, even if it's temporarily like a closed area or those, or you're transporting something after you've saved it. Like I was thinking more of those type of opportunistic times when you would get those sorts of samples, not that you would have a dog directing a boat. So it was amazing because they were talking about how the dog just uses its head to basically signal where to go and they just the boat knows to interpret that and follow it it's crazy Mm -hmm. and then they chose like this specific dog to train because the dog doesn't like the water and so they knew that the dog wouldn't jump out of the boat (laughs) and I was like that is amazing (laughs) I really enjoyed that section when they were actually talking about how they chose dogs for things because for example that one specifically that they knew he didn't like water so he wouldn't just jump out of the boats which Obviously, if you think it through, that makes a lot of sense, right? but you, it's not something that instantly comes to your head, right. you know, to yeah. your mind. But then they were also talking about, for example, that when they choose dogs for a lot of these things where they want them to, you know, seek out and smell certain stuff, that they need the dog, for example, that will ignore the steak for a ball. Right, yes. Which, again, totally makes sense, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting when you, like, listen to their thought processes on how they're you know, choosing the animals that they're going to train. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Lacey fails. Like Lacey Most would be dogs like, would fail. she'd be like, ball, are you kidding me? Give me that steak. Like, and it's funny because she doesn't really bother people when they're eating. Like she, she begs a little, but not obsessively. Like she, most of the time she just lays in her bed and stares at us when we eat at the couch. Like how, how come I don't get that? but okay, I guess I don't. Um, but yeah, if you threw a ball or you threw a steak, there's no way Lacey would go for the ball ever. And I think most dogs would be the same way, which is yeah. why it takes very specific dogs. That's why also when they do like training for, you know, like seeing eye dogs and things, mm-hmm. it's like such a tough process. And so many of the dogs won't make it through because they have to be very specific types of, of animals. So I have found that to be really interesting. Yeah. And then the part we already discussed with Stephen Dubner and Angela Duckworth, I loved that. I want to do that test. So they did a test from, they mentioned a university. I just don't remember which one it was, but basically it's like scratch and sniff things. So you sniff something. And I thought at first it was just going to be like, what do you smell? But they end up giving them choices. But even with the choices, they didn't always get it right. And I was very confused about it. Because, like, the first one, they were, she was like, Angela Duckworth was like, motor oil. It's definitely motor oil. And then the other one was like, Stephen Dodder was like, no, I'm going to say grass. It doesn't really smell like lilac. Yeah, lilac. There you go. He was like, it doesn't really smell like lilac, but it smells earthy. So I think it's some kind of plant. So I'm going to say the lilac. And then the host was like, no, it's definitely pizza. And then it turned out to be pizza. And I was like, how could pizza... I smell wonder if Dubner was so smelling like the or, like the oregano because she because the person who was like the host was like oh I think it smells like the pizza crust like she said she was like smelling the herbs from it so I wonder if like that's what he thought was earthy and then I don't Maybe. know why she thought that was motor oil <laughs> but I'm like how can you get such different answers for something right. so simple as pizza right. and again I initially, when they said they were going to do the smell test, kind of thought they were just going to have them smell something and then 
just say what they thought it was. I didn't mm-hmm. realize they were going to give them choices. And then when I was like, they were giving them choices. I was like, oh, that's going to be too easy. It's going to be so obvious. Right? But it really wasn't. Right. But I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> that seems so cool. Um, my We actually have a kit here uh, from a friend who, because when people test to be a wine sommelier so for the like master sommelier test one of the things that they do is they literally just smell everything so there's this it looks like a book of these little vials I'll have to take I'll have to provide pictures they're like maybe an inch high and like half an inch wide maybe and they have oils in them and scents and they're a little old so some of them don't quite smell the way that I think they're supposed to but they're all labeled so it's like lemon strawberry and so you can like get all of those scents in and then there's like oregano or thyme or like some other ones you're like oh that's that's crazy supposed to smell like Mm -hmm. so do you know somebody who's trying to do that is that how they have all the samples uh she Rachel hasn't gotten to that point but she is taking like lower level sommelier uh, tests so wine specialty tests cool just for fun that's crazy yep Uh, she may someday try and make a career out of it but she's got two kids and two kids and a wife and yeah just stuff that is currently you know not allowing her to do that but she also doesn't have the certifications yet so I think she has maybe gotcha. her basic, like, I don't, I never want to say level one, because I never know if it's one, level one is the bottom or the top, <laughs> but, mm. you know, so whatever the first level is that allows you to go to the next upper level. <laughs> gotcha. That's cool, but, though. Yeah. So we can, next time you're here, we'll, we'll do, we'll do a smell test, like Dubner and Duckworth. But it's not not quite as much fun. They're not pizza. <laughs> There's not a pizza wine. I <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I wonder why. I know that seems so weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the very beginning of this of this um, segment just because like Dubner was like, okay, we're supposed to read the instructions carefully from the beginning, <laughs> and Angela was like, read the instructions. No, just move on. What are we doing? <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I love her so much. I know we have said that before, but I really love her so much. I want to know her. Same. Same. Maybe she has an Instagram that we should start stalking. Like, not just no stupid questions, but like her individually. I feel I like it. she's too busy and important for that and we just wouldn't be bothered, but we should definitely check on that. Yeah. Because I'd she like to stalk her on our show. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh man all right any last thoughts about off leash um not really i think the next episode is called names so what do dogs know about their own names so i am interested in that because uh, i feel like you know lacy got it pretty quickly so and who knows what she was called for the first two years of her life we don't know yeah like i said I definitely, I'm not giving up on it. I want to keep listening. So hopefully it will just get better and better. Yeah, fingers crossed. But I'm just the name of the next one has me interested. Yeah, definitely agreed. 
All right. Shall we talk about these Steminist novellas? Oh my gosh. I'm so yes. excited. <laughs> we recently talked about The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. And these are the novellas that have followed. And we are in love because Steminist romances are apparently our new favorite thing of all yeah. time. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about them? Yes. So the Goodreads description says... A scientist should never cohabitate with her annoyingly hot nemesis. It leads to combustion. <laughs> Did you catch all the science references? <laughs> all right. That was awesome. <laughs> Mara, Sadie, and Hannah are friends first and scientists always. Though their fields of study might take them to different corners of the world, they can all agree on this one universal truth. When it comes to love and science, opposites attract and rivals make you burn. As an environmental engineer, Mara knows all about the delicate na nature of ecosystems. They require balance and leaving the thermostat alone and not stealing someone else's food. And other rules, Liam, her detestable big oil lawyer of a roommate knows nothing about. Okay, sure. Technically, she's the interloper. Liam was already entrenched in his aunt's house like some glowering, grumpy giant when Mara moved in with his big muscles and kissable mouth just sitting there on the couch, tempting respectable scientists to the dark side. But Helena was her mentor, and Mara's not about to move out and give up her inheritance without a fight. The problem is, living with someone means getting to know them, and the more Mara finds out about Liam, the harder it is to loathe him and the easier it is to love him. To listen to Sadie and Hannah's stories, look for the novellas Stuck With You and Below Zero, which it says coming soon, but are now already out. And we're going to talk about those today too. <laughs> that was the description for Under One Roof. And I have yes. to say it was amazing between the description <laughs> itself, which was so cute, and the way that you read it, I was dying. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh oh, so this is the first of three novellas, and it's so cute. Yeah, I loved it. I gave it four stars. It was probably maybe a 4.5, a mm -hmm. four to 4.5. It was a little bit predictable, which isn't bad, but I right. think because it was a novella in particular, I kind of just wanted a little bit more to sort of develop the story, especially because it was predictable, mm -hmm. but I still really enjoyed it. It sounds like I'm saying I didn't like it, but we, right. we flew through this. I mean, we read this in one day. I mean, we it's read a novella. all of them in one day. <laughs> yeah. No. We, all three in one day but each like so three each days each time we started yes <laughs> each time we started it we finished it in one sitting there you go so and I mean again they are novellas so it's not a full length books but still we got through them very quickly because you just couldn't put them down as soon as you started mm -hmm. yeah so so should I read the description for book two I don't think it'll ruin anything for the first book because they're like three separate stories okay yeah I think it's fine so book two is stuck with you and it says, nothing like a little rivalry between scientists to take love to the next level. Logically, Sadie knows that civil engineers are supposed to build bridges. 
However, as a woman of STEM, she also understands that variables can change. And when you are stuck for hours in a tiny New York elevator with the man who broke your heart, you earn the right to burn that brawny blonde bridge to the ground. Eric can apologize all he wants, but to quote her rebel leader, she'd just as soon kiss a Wookiee. Not even the most sophisticated of Sadie's superstitious rite rituals could have predicted such a disastrous reunion. But while she refuses to acknowledge the siren call of Eric's steely forearms or the way his voice softens when he offers her his sweater, Sadie cannot help but wonder if there might be layers to her cold-hearted nemesis, more layers to her cold-hearted nemesis than meets the eye. Maybe, possibly, even burned bridges can still be crossed. Loved this one. I mean, I know I just yes. love them all, but this one was my favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. Definitely five stars. Yes. I, of the characters, I love the characters in this one the best. I really love Sadie's like quirky craziness. I don't know. She's so kind of weird, but I love it. Mm-hmm. And while I like all of the guys or whatever, Eric imp- just is amazing. I don't mm-hmm. want to give too much away because I don't want to ruin it. Right. But he is really like, the best and I really love even though again it's a bit predictable in the sense that they're novellas and these are all things we've kind of seen similar stuff before so I mean you can obviously get kind of guess what's going to happen but I still loved everything about it I liked how it went like back and forth filling in kind of what happened in the past with the present and like I I don't know everything about it was just perfect I Mm -hmm. I loved it Mm mm-hmm yeah this is one of those stories where you know the trope so it's not like a you know when you get enemies to lovers or in this case lovers to enemies to lovers um you know you know the trope you know what's happening I'm not giving anything away they're romance novels but this is the the like kind of rare romance novel where you get that like the climax the crux when you finally find out what happened and you really realize that like it's not just poor communication. It's like things actually happened in ways that you understand why everybody thought what happened, like their their side, their point of view is still valid. But then when you realize what actually happened, it like makes you fall in love with the characters even more. And you're just like, oh. So that really was, good. yeah, so good and just so surprising. Yeah, it's kind of nice when you have something that's a novella, so it's short. And again, it's sort of expected because you've sort of seen everything that's happening before if you've read romance novels, to still kind of be surprised somehow. Mm-hmm. So very well done. This, Like I said, yeah. this is my favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. Mine too, which is really interesting because like lots of times I feel like the follow-up book, like book two, is the least good. Right. Yeah often because the first one is so good then you get a little disappointed by the second one and then a lot of times it'll redeem itself in the last one Mm -hmm. yeah exactly but like I was just thinking because the only other series that I think about where the second book to me is the best is Court of Thorns and Roses I knew you were gonna say that yeah because like the second book is just so good not that the first one is bad although you know we've argued like people have said the first book's not good but those people it's good uh, it's just not as good as the other ones yes. um but yeah i just booked two is still good so so unique when that happens 
Okay, and then the third book is called Below Zero. And it will take the frosty terrain of the Arctic to show these rival scientists that their chemistry burns hot. Hannah's got a bad feeling about this. Not only has the NASA aerospace engineer found herself injured and stranded at a remote Arctic research station, but the one person willing to undertake the hazardous rescue mission is her longtime rival. Ian has been many things to Hannah the villain who tried to veto her expedition and ruin her career, the man who stars in her most deliciously lurid dreams, but he's never played the hero. So why is he risking everything to be here? And why does his presence seem just as dangerous to her heart as the coming snowstorm? Oh. <laughs> Still good. Mm-hmm. I really I did like this one and I do like Ian but I'm not sure I mean I guess it's hard I don't really know which one would be well I definitely know which one my favorite is right it's kind of hard I guess to know which one's my least favorite but it might have been this one even though I still really liked it yeah this I was just definitely my least favorite okay so it's not just me <laughs> I didn't want to be like, it was my least favorite. Then you'd be like, no, definitely not mine. <laughs> Although I guess it doesn't, it doesn't matter even if we disagree. But I think Hannah, while I liked her, wasn't my favorite of the females and for the female characters. And then Ian, I really liked him, but the way that it played out, while I like that he cared and whatever, it just wasn't overall sort of I guess my favorite storyline yeah. I don't want to like I can't quite say exactly what I want to say without I think maybe spoiling it even though it, you can kind of probably guess from the description but I just like I said I don't want to give like everything away because I don't want to ruin it but yeah I think it just wasn't totally my favorite yeah I feel like this is the one where you had to suspend the most belief that the story would actually happen so in some ways you could say it's the most romantic in the sense that the gesture is mm. probably the largest the biggest yeah but, but it's also a little unbelievable it was a novella yeah like i don't know if it's because it was a novella and it wasn't like you don't know this character well enough to know if that's in or out of character or if it's just that it literally is like really really well that's what I mean it just felt a little un I don't know both unbelievable and a bit in the sense of the size of the gesture mm -hmm. but then also I don't know for Hannah I don't know I really want to say something about, I mean I guess we know we know he rescues it out, her right I don't like it yeah I mean we know he hero. rescues her right yeah. it, sa it says that so I think in a way it just feels like a little bit backward to have this like strong female scientist who I can understand how she got herself in the situation. It's not that part that feels quite unbelievable, but to then be like all of a sudden just like rescued by Prince Charming basically mm -hmm. felt a little bit like, I don't know, it didn't quite mesh for the steminist part like if this wasn't mm -hmm. a steminist novella with like a strong sciencey female character which is like 
you know, kind of the feeling I get overall from Allie Hazelwood is these are supposed to be like, you know, badass science women or whatever. Right. And then I don't know to just, instead of kind of having like a partner in something, it's like really being saved. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in a way that has happened before. I mean, we've seen it kind of play out where the guy has been the hero in all of these other stories too but something about the way that this one played out maybe like you said because the gesture is so big and felt sort of in a way impossible right it just kind of didn't feel like it maybe fit in a steminist thing Mm -hmm. I don't know am I wrong I'm not really sure no I can definitely see that like I didn't have that particular thought just because I wasn't thinking in that direction but you definitely have a point like, I mean, and even if we'd reverse the roles, it might have been a bit more fun. Mm. Yeah, that could have been good. Mm-hmm. So my earlier question, you've kind of answered it, but uh, was essentially like, who is your favorite heroine and who was, mm. you know, your least favorite, particularly of the girls? And then also, who is your favorite hero in the guys? Although, like, there's no real hero in book one, which is kind of nice. <laughs> right yeah there is no real hero in book one I mean Sadie and Eric are definitely my favorite couple and storyline of the three so that's book two Mm -hmm. and I think probably my favorite characters also I did if you're gonna compare then Ian and Liam I actually might like Ian from below zero better than Liam from book one because I actually really did like his character. It's just like, mm-hmm. it gets a bit, I, I, like you said, it might just be because it's a novella. So it's like so cramped with such a big gesture, mm-hmm. but so it's only like that kind of end part that just feels unbelievable. It's not that I don't like him. So I don't know. I, it, it would kind of be a toss up, I guess, between them, but I might like Ian better than Liam, even though I liked the other book better. And I probably think I would say I like maybe Mara better than Hannah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a bit harder after book two. Cause like book mm-hmm. two, I'm like, no, they are definitely like my favorites. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Are you on the same page? Or are you? I'm very, I'm similar on the uh, similar pages. I think Mara is actually my favorite, but only because Mara is the one that like, I feel the, like reflects the most of me. Okay. So yeah, I feel like I I'm more like Mara than the other two um and then but like Sadie's real close second if not tied for first um and again like it it should probably it's probably not a surprise that Hannah's not our favorite right book three Hannah because Hannah is the walled off closed off character exactly (laughs) is not exactly just doesn't doesn't resonate with you and I like that's why right. silver tongues and flames or whatever um you know Nesta. we were both like mm, Nesta <laughs> and then we're like okay damn it she made okay, us love Nesta actually- <laughs> <laughs> right, but I don't I don't typically love that that's not like the thing that draws it doesn't mean it can't be good it just doesn't call to me exactly exactly and then I don't know like the men are probably all just kind of tied. I don't like maybe because they're novellas and we don't know enough about them. But Eric. I mean, Eric is definitely the sweetest. So there's definitely something to that. Like I just really like his 
like the way he is with Sadie in particular. Um, so yeah, that's really sweet. But there's also a little bit of like naivete that all three of these men have that I just want to be like, are you serious? Like, you're so smart. And yet this is the thing that you can't recognize. You know, whether that's ways, like, though, there might be a little bit of truth to that, though. Know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes smart people are really dumb. I know. Like, you know. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. you are really smart, but you just, like, are blind to something that seems so obvious to, like, yes. lots of other people. Yep. I don't know. I like them all because they all support the women mm-hmm. and all recognize that they're smart and capable and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. The way that eric shows that or portrays mm-hmm. that to me just somehow sets him apart a little bit mm-hmm. yeah in my mind but i can yeah. see why you would be like they're all kind of the same because mm-hmm. again they all obviously are supporting his women or we wouldn't like them and they wouldn't be in the stories mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i mean the like the language that eric uses is probably my favorite all i know that I love Allie Hazelwood oh my gosh yes and anything I, I she want wants to bring out immediately I will literally read whatever she puts out and also I really really need to find some more steminist romance because I didn't mm-hmm. know that was a thing before Allie Hazelwood but now I really need to explore this genre mm-hmm. yep we need some love on the brain but it's not out till August <sighs> they better I not push you now. back I understand there are like global supply chain issues and shortages and whatever. I totally get it. But please, publishers, stop pushing back all of the release dates on all of these books. Yeah. It is happening with like every book that is due out. And please just give us the books. Yeah. Give us the books. Please. There's like a whole description. Like it's, it's this book is like written and just needs like I'm pretty sure ARC comment, ARC versions are going out for people to read. I want one. I'll read it. Yeah, me too. Send it to us. That's right. We'll even promote it on apartment 29A. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. All right. (laughs) You want to tell us about weddings? Sure. So um, the thing I can't stop thinking about this week is just the fact that uh, I have a cousin who's getting married tomorrow uh, in LA. So that's super exciting for him. And, um, and then just, you know, selfishly, it's super exciting for me because I get to see all of his family, um, which is my family and stay with my cousin um, in LA. So uh, it's kind of like a big family reunion with this, you know, but the actual purpose is to see uh, my cousin get married and he's so happy and it's so fun to see him so happy. And so I'm just super excited for him. And, yeah. To see everyone. I think I know the answer to this because I think I would know if they were coming, but are your parents coming for it? They're not. Um, they've got some travel coming on, coming up later uh, in the year. Um, and just like, uh, because it's like it was going to be a very short trip like come in see people on Saturday and leave they're just getting a little too old for that so they chose to relax at home and send their love from afar I thought I would have known if they were coming and you were going to get to see them but all of a sudden yeah. I was like wait a second maybe they're going to be there yeah they talked about it but we just decided for their health and stuff it was best for them to stay home for that part but at least you get to go 
Yes. Yeah. And I'll see my parents in July. So that's awesome. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Yep. So Shosh, tell us about U.S. soccer. I am so pumped. The thing I can't stop thinking about is the fact that the women's uh, soccer team is now going to make as much as the men, which obviously most people would probably assume was already happening or at least hope, but it hasn't been. And obviously, generally speaking, we would love for women to be making the same as men, but this is particularly tough because the women have been way more successful than the men. They've had way more supporters, (laughs) they've won way more, they've brought in way more money, and they were still getting paid less. They're also, I actually haven't read if they're addressing the other problems, but I'm assuming it's like a package deal, because they were also being, like when they were traveling stuff, they were getting like subpar accommodation and different things as well. Like it was more than even just the pay. Yeah, the disparity was across the board. Yeah, and it was big, like huge, not like a little bit. It was like, you know, I, I can't Distinct. believe that they did it that <laughs> that much, basically. Because right. I mean, across most fields, women get paid less than men, but it's usually not as obvious or there are ways that people find to justify why, even though it's all, you know, crap, they'll still right. like have something that seems even though we know it's made up, you can like, they have a reason for things. But in this case, I don't know how they could have ever justified it. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, maddening. Right. And, I mean, and usually crazy. the number one justification is wins. And here you're like, yes, okay. Right. But success. Con- <laughs> like, yes, it's success. Yeah. And here the women's team's like, you said that success was the issue. We have been successful now for how long? And- right we have more fans right we've won more games we've won more championships mm-hmm. we've basically been more successful and yet we are paid significantly less and given you know much less right so put your money where your mouth is please like yeah. subpar you know equipment mm-hmm. and accommodation and just everything so I mean it's been crazy and I can't believe that it was ever even happening I mean to that degree I'm not surprised that it was happening to some degree but to that degree right. and so I am just so happy that they have finally come to an agreement and that they are going to be paid equally as it should be yes for sure agreed so, yes I'm pumped very exciting well, women's soccer. That's yay. right. <laughs> so if you follow women or men's soccer, if you've ever been to a wedding, uh, if you've read, if you read feminist novellas, uh, or listen to Off Leash, or drink English breakfast tea, and have a suggestion for Shosh and I, let us know. Tell us all about them. You can follow us at Instagram at apartment twenty nine a spelled all the way out. Or you can email us at apt29a at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.